It's just too much. I think she's a very nice girl. And they just made me employee of the month yesterday, so I'm getting a lot of calls. I know where I'm not wanted, and I'm not wanted any place where people have all these social obligations if you get one of me. That's not true. You have you have two kinds of stuffing. You have real cranberry sauce. Run! I mean, I have absolutely no idea what we're doing here, or what I'm doing here, or what this place is about, but I am determined to enjoy myself. And I'm very intrigued, and oh my, this soup's delicious. Well, hello and welcome to our very first episode of the Best Supporting After Show, a show in which we have not figured out a tagline for, but essentially is an extension of our usual conversations on the Best Supporting Podcast that you're already familiar with, BSA of the Week, awards talk, um, recommendations, and maybe just a little bit of chit-chat, maybe a tangent here and there. So uh, that's what this is all about. This is like if you're... If, you, if you've got more to say and more to hear about Best Supporting Actresses, uh, you've come to the right episode. Yeah. Oh, beautiful, Colin. Beautiful. I'm, I'm clapping oh, for you. you. Not too loud. Not into thank the mic. You. But yeah. Not, I was Just like snapping. man on wire. I was that, I was that, I was balanced. I was, I was hoping to pull that one off. I think it went pretty well. Yeah. Um, I'm excited. I love an after show. I've always enjoyed an All Right, Mary when we, when we do the nuance episodes yes. or on popular opinions and because it's just like. Oh, we've gotten the the big agenda out of the way. Yeah. You know, this is kind of like the Creative Arts Awards. Yeah. <laughs> versus the primetime Emmys, you know? Yes, it's the after party <laughs> once the guest leave, leaves, and then you uh-huh. can just kind of like sit on the couch with like a, a nice blanket and like an extra glass of wine or something. Yes. Cozy yes. on and someone's up. like, oh, we have some extra uh, pastries if anybody wants an eclair or a cannoli. <laughs> yes. yes. Pastry? Uh, both? Yes, yes both. Cannoli, both. eclair. I have two hands for a reason. <laughs> Um, so this week we are to kick off our best supporting after show appropriately enough. Uh, we've got some golden globes to talk about, at least nominations. Yes. And, uh, I feel that at least to start with the best supporting after show will be pretty heavily influenced by nominations and award season, which is, I think, perfect timing for us too, because this is our bread and butter. I'm excited to... To break this down, um, so they came out on the third or fourth last week. I can't remember, but it was some at some point last week. And of course, with every award show, there there is um, you know the snubs and the surprises. And there are there are quite a handful of snubs and surprises, if I do say so myself. I don't know if you want to get into that right away, or do you want to save that because I I have a couple other introductory things to talk about with the Golden Globes. How do you want to go into it? Yeah, you know, let's let's tease them out. I definitely have some strong opinions, yeah. but uh, you know, set us up. What are your introductory thoughts yeah, on the Globes? Um, I, I'd say too, just to kind of uh, if if you don't know, um, Amy Fo- Amy Fuller, <laughs> Tina Fey, and Amy Poehler will be hosting, which really just like I I wish we could make that a permanent thing. Like if there's one thing that 2021 mm. needs, um, is just have have women hosted all the time really um yeah yeah and I, I think especially yeah and especially these two and especially in this this once again this virtual format i feel like i think it's even harder to host because you don't have that like electricity in the room like i i'm i think if they're going to choose anyone to make this work i think the two of them are uh 
some of the best choices they could make. Yeah, Tina will be on the East Coast, Amy on the West. Uh, I'm excited to see what they come up with. They always have solid stuff, and I, I'm very much looking forward to that. I feel like we'll be in good hands. And the other thing I wanted to mention real quick is that the Cecil B. DeMille Award is going to Jane Fonda, which is just, um, you know. <sighs> yeah, how do you like yeah, that? Jane I Fonda. Love that. Uh, I love when it goes to a woman, uh, especially Jane Fonda. And- Go ahead, Colin. Yeah. And I was gonna say, and there's something about like there's a the Carol Burnett Award, and that Norman Lear is getting it. I feel like in the past it would be the Norman Lear Award, and Carol Burnett would be getting it. Like I, oh, I, lo- I know this yeah. this award has existed for a while, but I love how much that flips my expectations. You know, yes, um, yeah, because it's like they're both so accomplished, but I think. I like the recognition of, of the award being named after Carol Burnett. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So those are just like my two things that I would have mentioned real quick about the actual ceremony too. But I guess um, I want to talk about who was left out, Colin, because I mean the big one. I may destroy the Golden Globes, really. Um, yeah, I may snub you. Yes. Yeah, I honestly opening thoughts is that as soon as i saw that that had happened i was like i'm not that excited about the golden globes this year yeah. like if because to me it just is so it's like someone needs to convince me why i need to a see ozark and b why ozark should be getting so many nominations and why i may destroy you should be getting none yeah there's probably multiple reasons. I feel like I read an article recently where someone was like, follow the money, follow the oh, money. Yeah. It's Netflix. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I get that. And maybe that's actually what it's kind of like settled in is the the aftertaste for me is like, we've talked about this before. We, we always want these award shows to be meritocracies. And then it really is about best performances. And like, I just felt that it was, it's probably never been that. But this year, because of that one snub, I was like, it is officially not about merit anymore, you know? Yeah, if that's one thing that we're, I mean, not that we're learning. It's like we always knew, we always knew that this is about politics and money and all that other just gross stuff that happens too. But like zero nominations, Colin, not even just like, okay, well, you know, maybe the show got nominated and Michaela Cole didn't or writing or, you know, acting or any other person that we talked about on our episode mm-hmm. for I May Destroy You. Nothing. Right. Like the fact that she had a hand in so many elements of that show and got, you know, recognition for, for none of them yeah. is. Uh, and I and I use Ozark as the example. I haven't seen Ozark. It could be an amazing show. It's just see, like it's it's like year after year. It's a show that I haven't seen and I don't really want to watch that keeps getting nominated, especially in the best actress and best supporting actress categories. Where I'm like, okay, well, like you're coming into my yard now. You know, like that's yeah, my space. Yes. Uh, what, uh, where would you have classified I May Destroy You? Is it one of those like Orange Is the New Black situations where it is comedy or is it drama? I think that that's a great question because I was thinking about that as like, yeah, I think if it were to fall under comedy, it feels to me that that would have been like, well, you've missed the point, you know, like I, I do think it is very much drama. And I think, you know, just to kind of look at the best drama series, it's like, you know, it's the Ratchet Ozark, of course, Mandalorian, Lovecraft Country and the Crown. It's like there are probably moments of humor in all of those. Um, 
but in the same way that there's moments of humor in I May Destroy You, but I have never thought of I May Destroy You as a comedy, you know? Yeah, I, I, I think so, too. Because the, the, the thing that I keep hearing, too, um, is, and I, I do agree with this, even though it's, like, to the detriment of, I can't even remember her name, the lead in Emily in Paris, but Emily in Paris was nominated for Best mm-hmm. Comedy. <sighs> Here's what I have to say about that. Like, I... Because there's always, like, someone always pinpoints, well, this is the show that knocked them out. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But, like, just making that comparison, like, yes. Like, that should have never happened. With that being said, I do feel like it is a Globesy sort of show that happened to be, like, pretty successful. But mm-hmm. if you watch that show, I mean, I talked about it, too. And I, I it is, like, this sort of fizzy sex in the city in Paris, ridiculous, kind of good but at the end, just like fluff sort of show. And to, to to even think that that was something that deserved a spot over I May Destroy You is, is it's it's crazy to me. I don't know why. I agree. I don't know why. And I, I know that actress got nominated too. Like, and that's what they seem to be like honing in on. Like, why did this get? So maybe they were going to put it in the comedy category. I don't know. Like, why would they be talking so much about Emily in Paris? Yeah, right. Because I'm looking at so like in the the if if Michaela Cole were to be nominated for best actress, television actress, musical comedy series, yeah, she would be because it's Lily Collins for Emily in Paris, um, and then Kaylee Cuoco for the flight attendant, which I feel like I need to develop an opinion on. I haven't seen it, um, but I'm like, okay, flight attendant, all right. Um, Elle Fanning for The Great, Jane Levy for Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, and who I think will obviously win Catherine O'Hara for Shit's Creek. Yes. But just, like, ha- having seen a preview of The Flight Attendant, having seen Shit's Creek, being aware of Emily in Paris and the other two shows, it's like, Michaela Cole in I May Destroy You is leaps and bounds yeah. beyond this. Yeah. Now, if it were to be Best Actress in a television uh drama series is that okay let's find that yeah best television actress so who i think she would have been up against or who quote unquote would have blocked michaela cole out would be olivia coleman in the crown which i feel is kind of an obvious Mm -hmm. you know uh nomination jodie comer for killing eve emma corin for the crown who i think is going to win because i just feel like that's she's everyone's buzzing diana right i I believe Yeah, yeah yeah yep uh, the ubiquitous Ozark nomination yeah. for Laura Linney, who I love, so yeah, I, I don't Laura. know what my objection love is. Love Laura Linney. Um, and then Sarah Paulson for Ratchet, which, whatever, Netflix. Um, yeah. I, it's, I don't know. I mean, it, it's the kind of thing where there's only five slots. There's probably other shows out there that have equally or like at least just incredible performances that aren't getting recognized as well. Um, but the, uh, yeah, I think it would be one of these slots that Michaela Cole would be in versus so, like, too. I don't think the Emily in Paris girl yeah, needs to worry. It doesn't, you know? Yeah. I then add another slot. I just, mm-hmm. I just, the Emmys do it. Like there's like 17 people nominated for best supporting actress in a comedy every year. Like just, just do it. What's the, yeah. what's the yeah, harm? What is the harm? Especially now, I mean, with the sort of like virtual, like they don't need, like they could nominate as many people as they want. Yeah, they don't just have to like, pay for them to come or like you know the extra meals. Like, come on. Yeah, just distribute the Zoom invite and call it a day. Yeah. Um, so that you know, like besides the fact that a lot of these shows, you know, my my plan is as the awards are coming to 
develop informed opinions and and hopefully find like what's an episode of Ozark where Laura Linney and maybe someone listening can can yeah, tell let me this. Us know. An episode of Ozark where Laura Linney just Laura Linney's. Like I've seen her do great work. So show me an example of that in Ozark so that I can say, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. She's nominated mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I I agree. It's like going through the list of things that like first of all, no pen fifteen. No dead to oh. me, no. Uh, uh, yeah, um, right. Yeah, uh, and I know. Like, obviously, you, you probably don't care about Bridgerton, but I'm. I would. I would be. I still obviously want. I, I'm uh, furious over I May Destroy You not being nominated too. But I would. I'd rather have Bridgerton in that Emily in Paris slot than mm-hmm. Emily in Paris being there because I do feel that was like this like overnight sort of hit. Um, and it has a little bit more diversity in there. Granted, like the cast is probably like eighty-five percent people are uh, white people, of course. But um, mm-hmm. it, it, I just can't. I could have been. I would have been able to digest that easier than Emily in Paris, too. But going back to some other shows, to uh, Issa Rae and Insecure, and just like oh yeah, um, Stephen Yun for Minari. Minari was completely like ignored, which is surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, I am I, I I know we haven't gotten into uh, Killing Eve, but it's just surprising that Sandra O oh is not nominated and Jodie Comer is. I'm sure I know that they are both brilliant in it. I've seen episodes, but I just don't understand why Jodie Comer keeps coming out on top over Sandra. Um, but I know she's incredible, so it's it's like yeah, this, it yeah. I mean that's a show. Yeah, like I. You know, I think I, yeah, I saw the first episode of that and I was like, oh, this is violent. Okay. Yeah, well, kind of is. I got to really want to stick with this one. And I just didn't. Um, I think there's also that thing of like, you know, and, and sometimes there's been years past where like this has been maybe in our favor, you know, in terms of preferences. But it's like the same performance getting nominated over and over. Yeah. And so like. I feel like obviously like Steve Carell in the office granted he didn't win, but like there's some performances where <clears throat> I'm happy to see the continued recognition, Sure, you know, um, you know, like if, if, you know, Maya and Anna were nominated multiple years in a row for awards, I'd be like, yeah, absolutely. Of course. Yes. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's really subjective, but I guess there is that feeling of like when it's the same performances being nominated over and over a la Jim Parsons and the big bang theory and winning over and over mm. it, it's just less exciting and, and feels it's kind of like when, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the Tonys, it's like if a production wins like best actor, best actress, a certain year, but then the show continues, continues, you know, for multiple years and there's a new actor or actress in that same role. Do they get nominated? Does that role, yeah, does that quote unquote role get nominated again? Oh, that's a good question. I, yeah, and unfortunately not. It's it's whoever originates the role. Um, and that, yeah, I, like I get that, and I guess maybe that's there's a spirit of that that maybe I'm looking for here, where it's like yeah. what that lends itself to is you get a new crop of of nominees every year. You get like new things to discover and celebrate every year. Yeah, very interesting. Yes, you I know mean, and. This can feel really, except for the movies, obviously, in terms of TV, it can just feel really like, oh, you know, it's like, I love Julia Louis-Dreyfus, but like, oh, another V, you know, Emmy. All right. You know? Yeah. Same. It's like, um, I know that the they have these sort of like Broadway.com awards that they have on like Playbill.com that they feature. And they did, they have a category called Best Replacement. Um, oh, interesting. Which, is, which I, was kind of what your sort of 
kind of uh, talking about too. It's like, yeah, it's like yep. the original person, incredible, great. Maybe they won a Tony, maybe they were nominated, but there's still going to be a lot of great people. And sometimes it is stunt casting that they bring in, but sometimes that stunt casting like really works. And they, so that's why they have those little like uh, another set of awards, which I, I think is really great to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I think there's something to be said. I mean, I know that that's obviously different from TV, but the idea of like, yeah, there's whoever originated the role, but then there's someone who could come in two years later and just, you know, reinvent the role. Yeah. Yeah, And like, you know, doesn't that deserve, like, isn't that the same amount of work? Isn't that the same accomplishment, you know? Yeah. And and just to kind of segue into this, speaking of musicals, Hamilton is eligible for Golden Globes. Yes. And so Hamilton, that was an, that's an interesting one that I didn't even think about. And then, yeah, Hamilton was nominated and Lin-Manuel Miranda was nominated for Best Actor. But, you know, then you're watching it and you're like, but wait a minute, like, what about you? You mean to tell me that like Philippa Sue is not going to get recognized? Here? Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Was I the only one who yeah. watched Burns? Was I the only end one who watched with her? Yeah. Yeah. Was I the only one who saw the ending yes. and gasped? Like, come on. And it, it's it, it's so. I mean, it's just yeah. It's that I guess wildly subjective point of view. You know, up against a, a very political decision. You know. <laughs> Yeah, and kind of going on a little bit more with musicals too. The prom. <laughs> oh, the prom. I mean, got come nominated. On. And <laughs> James Corden got nominated, but Meryl got overlooked, Colin. And I'm very, I'm surprised by that. Um, I, I didn't even think about that because so yes. many people were talking about just James Corden getting nominated that I didn't even think about the fact that Meryl wasn't. Yeah, yeah. For like a very globesy kind of yes, the performance epitome of like musical or comedy performance for anyone, but specifically for Meryl, I'm I'm surprised. And then to look at like who was nominated in instead, and I I mean, listen, I'm I'm a simple sandwich man. I may have not heard of things because it's me, but like I I've never heard I've never heard of I care a lot with Rosamund Pike. Yeah, I'm. Vaguely familiar with, I heard good things about Emma with Anya Taylor-Joy. Yes. I've seen Michelle Pfeiffer and French Exit being mentioned. I'm not familiar with it. Uh, the only thing I know about music for, with Kate Hudson in it is that people were upset because there was someone in it playing someone with autism who didn't have autism. Mm-hmm. Um, and then who's probably going to take the the globe is Maria Bakalova yeah. for the Borat sequel. And like, I don't get it. I know I don't I, get it. I I talked to Colin. I was like, "Should we do a Borat episode?" Because I had not seen it, but I've heard such hype about it. And you said you watched it, and fine. I just I it was fine. I don't know what everybody like. I don't know what everyone's freaking out about. It was fine. It didn't even. I didn't. I found her kind of annoying through most of the movie, and Oof. I'm like so dismayed. Like, especially when she was in the Best Supporting Actress category, I was like, so you're going to tell me that Glenn is going to lose her Oscar to to Borat's, you know, illegitimate daughter. Like, this is, <laughs> this is, this is, Bullshit. this is ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's it, it doesn't matter that I haven't heard of French Exit or I care a lot. But yeah, the, sure. the reason I bring that up is, like, it's surprising to see, like, and this year was hard because nothing came out in wide release, but it's surprising to see these these you know smaller movies or like these less publicized movies 
um, and performances getting the recognition. And it makes you wonder, like, what was the deciding factor? Because usually I feel like the awards go to the performances we're most familiar with, you know? Yeah, I agree. And I'm looking at supporting actress in any motion picture, it's called. Mm. Um, and so we have Glenn Close versus Olivia Coleman yet again. Uh, for the Ugh. father we can't wait for the father here at the the best supporting podcast though like i i Ugh. just know it's going to deliver and i'm i'm not yeah. ready for it yet uh, in the best way possible jodie foster the, it, what is this the mauritanian is that how you say that um i i don't know yeah, what that sure. is um yeah um, i i've heard of it but you know i'm curious to see it i but it's you know i again i think it's also the running theme of this year especially with movies especially with movies where i'm like I didn't, you know, I didn't, I couldn't see half these things or I haven't seen them or like there, there just isn't that same awareness of what's out because things don't come out, you know? Yeah. And to, to finish out that category, we have Amanda Seyfried for Mank, which I still haven't finished and I just can't do it. Um, oh yeah. And then Helena Zengel for News of the World. Is that that Tom Hanks movie that looks like True Grit? Is that what it is? It, News of the yes. World? It is. It's uh, is it Tom Hanks? I think it's um. And you know where is Ellen Burstyn in this best supporting a uh, category? Like a lot of the people that were getting buzz. Mm-hmm. It's that really yeah. surprised me. It was yeah. like she was so fucking good in that, and I just, you know, uh, I'll watch Mank just because I want to see what because I feel like Amanda Seyfried is like the front runner. It seems. Um, which is just so strange to think. It's like Glenn Close, Olivia Coleman, Jodie Foster, and then like Amanda Seyfried beats them. But it's just, it's like, wow, like that, it, it it's always kind of incredible to see that moment of like, you know, these sort of Hollywood standbys, these sort of golden ladies of Hollywood, and then like the newbie wins, you yeah. know? Yeah. Not newbie, but, you know, in comparison. Yes. Uh, and, I'm trying to because there isn't a best supporting actress category for musical and comedy. There isn't a best supporting actress for drama, right? Am I correct in saying that they just yep. have best supporting it, actress it, in any motion picture? So we're getting a hybrid of both of these categories, but they tend to lean towards drama. I mean, in general, yeah, I feel yeah. like awards like that's what's also so surprising about Maria Bakalova is like, I mean, obviously there is a musical comedy category, but I think. It's so fu- like here we are thinking like oh would they categorize I may destroy you as a comedy because I feel like that's as much as they'll consider comedy in the awards sometimes and so to consider a performance that is so far in that direction that is so just absurdist surreal satirical comedy and to like recognize that performance is at least I'll give them that is like oh you don't see that all the time at the Golden Globes or really yeah, any award show that's true that's true. I, I do want to celebrate, too. We did have a, a minor victory, or like a big victory, I think, for in the Best Director category. Three of them are women, which is just lovely. Um, yeah. Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Woman, who was also nominated for Best Screenplay. Uh, Regina King for One Night in Miami. And then Chloe Zhao, who um, I think directed Nomadland, was also nominated for Screenplay as well. Yeah, and so I've you had mentioned we had texted a little bit about, you know, promising young woman or you had texted someone had said there's a lot of bsas in it i did see promising young woman oh you did Uh, okay i did and there are a lot of like it's like a lot of small roles like molly shannon is in it for two minutes you know and like uh connie Britton has like one scene and like jennifer coolidge has like two or three scenes but she doesn't do a lot um so it's like there are definitely and uh laverne cox is in it and it's like you just kind of want more from her um or give her character more to do uh, 
promising young woman just to kind of, you know, because it's one of the few nominated movies I've seen. It's, I mean, avoid spoilers. Uh, there's sure. definitely like a, some. Um, it's better to, the less you know, the better going in. But it's a very jarring movie. I think Carrie Mulligan is incredible in it. Like, I, it's it's the first time I really appreciated Carrie Mulligan. Mm-hmm. I mean, for as much as I hated her in Pride and Prejudice. I know, yeah. Uh, I, I, there, there is one woman in particular, because Alison Brie is in it as well. Ooh, and I love Alison they, Brie. She's, and they have a scene together that's to me is I think maybe potentially the best scene in the movie is they have a scene of having lunch together and Carrie Mulligan, there's just like this energy about her in that scene where I'm like, wow, oh, you have transformed. Like, I don't know who you are right now. And it was, it, I don't, and it was so subtle. And I really like, I'll say that it's promising a young woman is a tough movie. And, uh, it kind of afterwards, you're like, what the fuck was that? But, holy shit like she really is incredible in it and it really did make me feel much more excited about her as an actress that's awesome i mean i'm always kind of rooting for it. you've not seen the movie and education have you no okay. i haven't that's a big omission on my list that's okay yeah i think that um that's worth like i you don't have to run to it but like just to kind of further if you're interested in more carrie mulligan um definitely see that if you can i don't know if it's really streaming anywhere but I think I actually own yeah. that movie or have owned that movie. I probably lost it in the, in the mm. moves over the years. Um, yeah. There was something. Oh, I want to talk about best performance by an actress in a TV supporting role. A lot of great women. Gillian um, Anderson and Helena Bonham Carter yeah. for The Crown. I'm surprised to see Helena Bonham Carter in there for season four of The Crown. She had one episode that was like really great. So maybe that's like where that came from. And I love her. Like uh-huh. she's great in it. Like I'm not too mad about it. Um Julia Garner and, and Ozark. It, Go ahead, yeah. Is that one episode, is that from this current season with Julian Anderson, or is that from that season before? Because I, I think I saw her one episode from the season before. Yeah, the, the I think it's um the episode, sorry, excuse me, Um, it is Helena Bonham Carter. She really just wasn't featured in season four a lot, but she had one episode where she kind of goes back to this, like, house with a pool. Oh, okay. Did you okay. see that one? I, uh, yeah. No. I, so yeah. I don't think you have. Yeah, it's, it's the newer it's, of that. It sounds like, yeah, it sounds like Princess Margaret gets an episode a season. Yeah, kind of. And um, and I love Gillian Anderson. I, I said before, it's like this perfect uh, <laughs> marriage of like camp and really great acting at the same time, too. Mm-hmm. The voice is like oh, so ridiculous that it works. And but she's committed. And like the scenes with her and the queen where they're just like sitting and uh, having like a face off like I can watch that all day. Um, yeah. Julia Garner for Ozark. I know that she's won at least one Emmy for that show. Um, Annie Murphy for Schitt's Creek and then Cynthia Nixon for Ratchet. Fine. Yeah. I, you know, it, 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 the reviews were not good for Ratchet and I didn't really dive into it, but like, I do really like Cynthia Nixon. I do like, yeah, I, I kind of always enjoy her whenever she's in something. She is one of those actresses where like, oh, she's in it. Oh, I love Cynthia Nixon. Yeah. Um, I think like on Sex and the City, she was easily the best actress in Mm -hmm. the bunch. Mm -hmm. Um, and like I saw her in... Uh, and there's a little clip of it I can send you on YouTube, but there was a, a production, oh, with Laura Linney, a production of The Little Foxes on Broadway oh, yeah. a couple years ago, yes, yes, where yes. she and Laura Linney alternated the roles of yes. Regina and Birdie. And, oh, oh, it was, they were both so good. And Cynthia Nixon, I think she won the Tony, and uh, deservedly so. Like, mm-hmm. I'll send you the clip on YouTube There's of her. It It's kind of the infamous Birdie moment, and uh, she just, 
kills it. So mm. I, I'm, I, I mean, so point being, I'm intrigued by Ratchet because apparently Cynthia Nixon is uh, good enough in it to be a best supporting actress. Great. Yeah, I mean, I love Cynthia Nixon in any supporting role. <laughs> yeah, uh, I Send do tweets. think. Yeah. Uh, I I feel like. To me, it's uh, it's between Gillian Anderson and Annie Murphy. That's kind of where um, I think too. I'd be happy with both. I honestly would be. Um, yeah, I I mean, having not seen The Crown, like I I appreciate like oh, it feels to me like it, it would be Gillian Anderson's, but maybe that's just because we've queened out about it a lot. But I guess in my heart, like I'd love for Annie Murphy to to get a Golden Globe as well. You know? Yeah, like uh, how much time has passed? Yeah, it, it's interesting yeah. because all four of those actors are nominated again. So I'm interested yeah. to see who is it just going to be Catherine? Is it going to be Catherine and Annie and Eugene right. and Dan are left out? I'm I'm interested in that. Well, I think it's you know I I think it's really interesting how they put Dan Levy in the best supporting actor category clearly to avoid kind of stacking him against his yeah. father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm you know I'm I'm obviously not as uh, as invested in. Uh, um, in actors, but kind of sure. looking at the, I mean, like I haven't seen, you know, any of these other shows. Uh, I mean, I think Rami Youssef has, has won before. So Rami's great. Um, yeah. I actually didn't yeah. list any of the male categories on my notes. <laughs> I just like, it, if, we don't. Yeah, yeah. It's not our territory, but, but we do. love I, Dan uh, So like, yes, that should be, you know, an exception to the rule, I guess. Yeah. 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 Cause I guess Dan Levy, cause yeah, Eugene Levy is up against Jason Sudeikis, Rami Youssef, Nicholas Holt in the great and Don Cheadle in black Monday. But then Dan is up against, I feel like that's scrolling. a category. Yeah. So best supporting actor on television, um, John Boyega in small acts, Brendan Gleeson in the Comey role. He played Donald Trump, um, Jim Parsons in Hollywood. Who cares? Uh, Donald yeah. Sutherland in the undoing, which, I already know what happens at the end of The Undoing, and all I ever hear about it is just, like, Nicole Kidman and a lot of cardigans. So I'm just like, should I see it? Have you seen it? <laughs> I haven't. I haven't. Because Las Culturistas talked a lot about it, and I was mm-hmm. too lazy to, like, skip through or find out when they were done talking about it. So I kind yeah. of also know what happens at the end. So Yeah. So I'm kind of like, oh, well, who cares, you know? Uh, so what? Who cares? But I don't know. I'd be happy to see Dan Levy win. Um, yeah, I would, I would be fine with it I, to continue that sort of... Shits Creek sweep, fine. Yeah. If Jim Parsons wins, that's really the only one I'll be like, come on. I know, yeah. He was, I mean, I will say he was good. He was one of the best parts of Hollywood, and I hate saying that because you know how we feel about Jim Parsons. and just. I know. I, it's almost unfair. Who did he play in Hollywood? Was he in the first episode, the uh, only episode I watched? I don't know if he was. He plays like this agent who was like yeah. a dickhead, and, but like so great, like He's really great. Yeah. I mean, he's he's not like a bad. I mean, I you know he was great in Boys in the Band. Like he's he's not a bad actor. It's yeah. just when he beats out actors that I like. Yeah, other other roles. Yeah, yeah. We um, remember. We remember. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be it's going to be interesting. You know, the we're going to talk about it next week. But the Screen Actors Screen Actor Guild, the, the SAGs. Let's be yes. The SAGs. You know, let's not be formal about it. the SAGs are out, and we'll talk about them next week. Uh. It, and I May Destroy You did get nominated yeah, for, I'm, I think, Best Limited I'm Series and Best Actress. About that. Yeah. Yes, I, it's yeah. kind of what we – the SAGs are a little bit more reflective of what we what we wanted the Globes to look like. Yes, yes, yes exactly. So um, – but that's not going to even, you know, premiere till or the, the awards are not coming yeah. out until April, so we have time to kind of, yes. you know, 
digest and and yeah i want to i want to be informed i feel like a lot of times i'm like oh i didn't see that oh i didn't see that and i i want to go into the globes and the sags being like you know yes you made a good decision or you made the wrong decision and it's actually like based in something (laughs) yes yeah 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 well, yeah, I'm excited. I Award shows during COVID are always a little strange, but um, as Regina King says, this is so weird, but we will yeah. uh, We'll see. I'm hoping Tina and Amy can really help us through it. I'm excited for it. Yeah, yeah, and, and hopefully this will be the last Emmys uh, that are like this, and, and I don't know what the Oscars are going to be like this year and all that, but... Um, you said I last like Emmys. Just, did you mean last Golden Globes? That's or, what I meant. The yeah, last there Golden we go. Globes. I was just making sure you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hopefully this is the last one. I just, you know, uh, I'm not saying anything revolutionary here. Uh, it's it, sure. it's so much more about the ceremony. It's so much more about the speeches and the moments and the live moments. And like, I, I don't know. Uh, another round of watching people accept awards on Zoom. It's like, all right, well, yeah. you know. But uh, we love it anyway. We'll still sure, watch. I'll still watch. But honestly, if Glenn wins her first Oscar for this and has to accept it on Zoom, be like, oh man, I know what a like, you know, just not not a great. Didn't really stick the landing of that narrative. I know. You know? Yeah, it'd be sad, but well, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Um, well, that, that brings us to our final portion of our after show. Uh, that brings us to our, our BSAs of the week. Um, and you know, being this is the after show, it could be BSAs, recommendations, things we're loving, things we're hating, but just kind of, you know, in the spirit of that, um, I, I have a few BSAs. Yeah. Why don't uh, you start? Why don't you start? Sure. So I, um, I I want to mention this. It's sort of a BSA, but I we haven't really talked about the fact that I had I have started watching the Queen's Gambit, which we've talked about before. Ooh, I know good, you're a good, good, huge good. fan of it, and so yes. I'm about five episodes in. And I was so I before I started watching it, I was talking to a friend of mine who you know we see a lot of theater together and a lot of movies like very similar aesthetics, and um and we were talking about like the Queen's Gambit, and she said, you know, I I have one more episode left of it, and I just am not watching it. She's like, I don't know why. I'm just nothing has drawn me to go finish the series. I'm like, oh, that's really weird. I think you get yeah. to the end. Do you want to get to the end? So I was like, all right. So I watched it and I, I got, you know, uh, five episodes in and I don't know what's going on, but I don't want to watch the next episode. I don't know what's going on. I don't, I, what I, is the that? note that I took, I think I'm afraid is the Queen's Gambit, my Ruth Gordon. I don't know. Uh, the, the thing you <laughs> love that I'm like, well, I mean, I just, um. so I don't know what it is. So I, and and maybe this is a longer tangent for another sure. time, but I'm, I'm, I'm want like I'm loving Anya Taylor Joy. I think it's a great performance. I, I, I keep thinking about my favorite moment from the Queen's Gambit is when she's she's playing against that one guy, which doesn't narrow it down because she plays against a lot of guys, but he's like the chess champion, and I think her first kind of tournament and. Um, uh, she basically she knows she's winning and she says to him and he's like trying to figure out what to do and she says do you see it or do you want to finish it on the board and I just that moment I was like oh you bitch that is so good yes, like, it's so satisfying so satisfying she is like I loved like moments like that and I one of my friends was like oh do you think maybe because I was talking about it with him too and he's like oh do you think it should have been shorter do you think it's instead mm-hmm. of seven episodes it should have been five and I'm like, maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I was feeling like 
oh, it's a lot of chess tournaments. Like, let's let's get to Russia already, you know? Um, yes, yeah. <laughs> and there was a bit of that. And and here's a wildly unpopular opinion. I think I need to rewatch <clears throat> the episodes with Alma, with Mariel Heller. Okay. I liked her. I didn't, didn't love her. Love her. <gasps> and I okay. don't know why. Okay. I just... Granted, she also did not get nominated, so yeah. we're going to talk. But I guess that they, I think they consider the Queen's Gambit a movie series. Sure. Um, or yeah, so I think there isn't an acting category for that necessarily, or there is, but it's, you know, it's for everybody. So you know, she was clearly shut out. But um, I'm, I, I, I wanna, I wanna figure out why I'm, you know, uh, uh. Why I'm not saying checkmate to the Queen's Gambit. Sure, but, yeah. I, um, oh, I'm i trying to think of where you are. Like, There's something that happens that's pretty significant. And, and maybe we could talk about it off air just in case you know you happen to have seen that episode. But they, they go to Mexico, I think, or like Rio or something. Um, and that might be the next episode, I think. is Because she's the, the, where I'm at is she's the, there's that guy that she had played against before and then he comes and like i think stays at the house and he like tutors her or trains yes. or teaches her yes yes and so and like and that was where i was like it's kind of a slog uh, that episode yes yeah, there is like, one oh, where i'm like God. i don't really care about this one but i would and, yeah and, yeah and maybe that was it because honestly the other episodes i i was like once one was over i was like all right let's keep going yeah all right i'm hooked and then i think it got to that that fifth episode and i was like oh also, you know, I, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no, that's that's the thought. Yeah. I'm waiting there. It's like I can't say this without saying it, too. So maybe I'll just maybe I won't say it. I'm just not going to say it. Um, right. But there's something that does happen that is also a little bit of a re- rejuvenation in like the last three episodes that really bring it home. All right, I'll if if you're saying episode five felt like a little bit of a slog for you too, I will push through because I want to finish it and then yes. just kind of like revisit it. So this yeah, is but not take your an, time, take your time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is not an I didn't like the Queen's Gambit, but a like, huh? Why did I stop? Yeah. So, um, but in terms of BSAs of things that I love, I I watched this movie. Okay, I was gonna text you about it. Because I was like, it's one of those things where like I have to tell everybody about this. But I, <laughs> I watched this movie. I guess maybe over the weekend, um, it was a South Korean disaster movie called The Tower. And if you've ever heard of like The Towering Inferno, like the, you know, it's kind of like sure, yeah. this has been done before, where there's like a, a, a skyscraper and there's a fire and people are trapped on the top floors and there's the drama of the firefighters trying to get up in the building and like all like there's the many characters and different plots. Like it's kind of the uh, you know. The Towering Inferno was, uh, it, it comes from the same mind as the Poseidon Adventure. It's Irwin Allen. And so it's sort of that structure where you have like an all-star cast. I don't know if this was necessarily an all-star cast, but you have an ensemble of characters and different kind of plot lines kind of weaving throughout the narrative. And uh, so it was like, oh, I love this format. Bring it on, South Korea. And I loved this movie so much and it was so tense and so overwhelming at times there was one scene where you know there's this handful of kind of like the Poseidon Adventure there's this like handful of folks you know trying to to get out and they they're like you know on like I don't know the 86th floor and the windows are broken 
And so they're just like, you know, staring out over, you know, uh, over the city landscape, a hundred stories below. And there is a a window washing gondola hanging against the building like two floors down. And they're like, we need to jump down to that gondola (sighs) to get off this floor. Oh, my God. And... So that so that happened, and it's so over. It's so it's my worst nightmare. Then they're in the gondola. You know, one character obviously doesn't make it, and then you know they and and you know this fire explodes on the floor they were on, and so they've gotten to the gondola, but they're like, oh, th- this thing isn't gonna like. And when I say gondola, you know what I'm talking about. It's like that thing yeah. in the First oh, Wives Club. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was just going to say First yeah. Wives Club, yes. Yeah, yeah, to use a local reference, yeah. And so then they're like, oh, this isn't going to support our weight. We need to get back in the building. And so they start using their body weight to swing the gondola away and into the building so that it'll break the windows so they can then open the side oh, of the gondola and God. swing it and jump into the building. Like, I literally was like, no, 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 <laughs> just stop. Jump, just kill yourself. Yeah. Just, yeah, just, yeah. And it was like, I, I just wanted it to be over. I was terrified, but also like blown away. Like I yeah. couldn't, like this movie accomplished so much. There were moments where it wasn't even an emotional scene of somebody dying. There was this part where all the firefighters, there's a whole set piece where they're having to like, they get to the source of the fire and they've got to like, they got to figure out how to contain it and put it out. And so they, they come to the conclusion they have to like break open the windows to redirect the fire. I don't know. You know, there's some fire logic here, but what it means is there's this slow motion scene of this guy running and like breaking the windows with an ax as he runs by them in slow-mo as the fire is roaring behind him. And I just started crying. I just <laughs> like, just goes like, why am I crying right now? Like, it was so beautiful. And, there were a couple moments like that where I was like, this is just a beautiful movie. It's, I mean, if you like action movies or disaster movies, like if you can, if you can endure that, it's not quite a horror movie, but if you can endure that tension, holy shit, is this movie rewarding. What is it called, Colin? It's called The Tower. Oh, The The Tower. Tower. That's right. That's right. You said that already. Okay. It's on Amazon Prime. It's, you know, yes, there's subtitles, but like, honestly, it's like Parasite. Two minutes in, you forget you're reading subtitles. Yeah. Oh, oh, I loved it. Oh, I, I mean, I don't know if I could watch it again. I could watch it again now that I know what happens, but I it, like it made me feel like, oh, this is the kind of movie you go to the movie theater and you get yes. the popcorn and everybody's yeah. in it together. It was that oh, experience. Yeah, yes. Oh, so good. Great. Um, so that's one of my BSAs, but I've been talking a lot. So I'm going to toss it to you for one. I only have one BSA, so continue. Okay, so I'll run through real quick. Yeah. Uh, my other one is, I think I'd sent you this song. This might be my BSA of the week, but I stumbled oh, yeah. across this video on YouTube of this girl named Aaliyah Sheffield, and it's A-L-I-A-H. Uh, and this, and she's, you know, writes and composes a lot of her own music and posts it on YouTube. And um, she did this song called Earth is Ghetto. And uh, and I thought, oh, this this seems like a, you know, 2020 is a you know, garbage dumpster fire. Like, let's see. I'll, I'll watch this video until I don't think it's funny anymore, you sure. know. And it's it's such a beautiful song. And it so really clever, is. Yes. Right. And so clever. And like. Well, like, the lyrics are great. The melodies are great. Like, all of it just... I was like, what a great song. Like, this is... This is so good. And then there's lots of, like... On TikTok, I think, especially, there's lots of remixes of it and people kind of adding in, like, 
you know, other instrumentals. And it's, it's just one of those things where I'm like, I want this to go viral. I want her to have a record deal. Like, this is great music. And mm, um, yes, yes, so yes. I highly recommend it. If you just search Earth is Ghetto, you'll find it. It, it, it did go viral in its own little way. Yeah, I, I'm glad it did. It really is everything that you just said. It's like, it's catchy. It's powerful, significant, and just like a really well-written song. Yeah. And it's just this, you know, it, it talks about like just an independent music artist. Like she's yeah. just this girl in her bedroom with her with her keyboard and her headphones. Like it's really, really great. So um, my only other BSA of the week is, I don't know if you, do you remember the show, The New Adventures of Old Christine? Colin, Dreyfus? this is crazy that you brought that up because is Keon, your- no, Keon and I oh. literally started watching that over the weekend because he has been trying to get me into it forever. And oh he was like, we really need to watch the new adventures of old Christine. Like it's great. Wanda Sykes, um, yep. Julia Louis-Dreyfus. And I was like, okay. So we watched the first uh, two or three episodes, I think on like Sunday night or something like that. That is so, mm-hmm. and it's available on HBO Max, right? Yep. That's how we yep. watched it. <laughs> Yep. I can't believe oh, you're so okay. Funny. Uh, so and I think I go on. I started yes. watching it again this weekend as well. This was the weekend for old Christine. Yeah. Um, it's I remember watching in the past. It's so much funnier than you expected to be. It's so much more clever than I expected. Um I don't know if you got to the episode because it seemed like it was um like sort of a standalone episode that didn't fall into the rest of the narrative, but it was called the other F word. Mm, where no, Christine there, is yeah. trying Christine is recognizing that the the school that uh, Richie is in, it's like super white. And yeah. she's like, God, there's like no diversity. And so there's this new black family at the school that she wants to sponsor as, you know, uh, welcoming them into the school and, and you know, whatever. Um, and then she discovers that they are like incredibly homophobic. And um, mm. it's just like that kind of twist. And it's so clever. It's so smart in like... I just that episode I was gonna say if you hadn't seen it or when you get to it like that was one that I really enjoyed um I love the new adventures of old Christine I'm so glad you're familiar with it I'm so glad that you brought it that's so funny um yeah Yeah. I uh I'm excited because it's like it's that in between between Seinfeld and Veep there was yep the new adventures of old Christine so I and I know she won at least one Emmy for it maybe two I can't remember but I, I have my reservations because as we know CBS shows are not always my thing um mm-hmm. uh but yeah I I enjoyed what we watched so far so that gets me excited I'm I want to continue so and Keon and I desperately need like a new show that we can watch together we watch a lot of things separately so yeah, that's I feel like it's a it's an easy show and then is like surprising like surprisingly rewarding, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, I'm I'm excited. Um yeah. great. I or do you still have more? I'm sorry. No, all I have is other than that is just hate watching the Connors. I yes. we talked about that I think offline. Yes, it's just yes. how much I fucking hate the Connors and like it's it's just like for as much as I loved Roseanne, I feel like the Connors is just this disgusting regentrification of of the show and uh, I it's especially this most recent season where it's like the Connors are dealing with COVID and it's just I just like I keep like hate watching it but like whenever I go on Hulu there's always like the little thumbnail and it's like you know the Connors with their like masks on because it's all about you know yeah and it's just and it's so just like oh you're so you're so of the moment oh you know yes oh you have to wear your mask the Connors are so like 
self-satisfied with themselves like oh we're we're talking about the real issues you know and it's so fucking clunky like yeah the most recent episode was like one of like i don't know like dj's daughter saying to like dan like um can we go to the new like for my birthday or whatever can we go to the new late to the laser tag place they're social distancing it's like shut up Stop going for the for the COVID brownie points. Yeah. You know, anyway, yeah. if I get into this, I'm going to say things that will be wildly unpopular, but I just hate the Connors and I don't need to watch people on TV having COVID. I can just look out my fucking window. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But anyway, <sighs> that's that's my list. Uh, what that's do you got? List. Um, I you know what I will say, too, I, I mentioned it on the, the main episode, but if you do have TikTok, look up Julian Brzezinski. Because he is, and I believe his last name is like B-U-R-Z-Y-N-S-K-I and Julian spelled traditionally J-U-L-I-A-N. He's the guy that does so many of these lovely, like the Legally Blonde lip sync was the one I feel that I saw first. The first Wives Club. There's there's like an abundance of lip syncs that he does to just movies and TV. And he is such a goose. I don't know if you've ever seen him go live before, but he has like, no. this, he is like this, the kindest he has like the most like angelic voice I've ever heard. And he's just like a little bit femme. And I, Mm -hmm. I'm obsessed with him. I think he's so handsome too. Like I love his mustache. Um, and just like that commitment video. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh God. It's like, and he recruits his mom to like be in it. Sometimes he did my best friend's wedding one this past week. Um, where it's like, choose me, marry me. And like, he tears up. It's like, he's giving me all the nuance I could ever want. Um, He's great. So follow him, Julian Brzezinski. Um, I, that, that, I, I only said I had one, but um, I guess I wanted to mention him again, too, because I just love everything he's doing. But honestly, I'm going to keep it simple. Uh, Keon got me a cookie cake for my birthday, and it was Ooh. everything that I needed. How did, what are your, What's your stance on cookie cakes? Oh, I fucking love cookie cakes. The frosting, oh Colin. The frosting. I, yeah. <gasps> it's oh. so good. He got balloons on. I could have, like used a dozen more balloons because they're just like dollops and once you get to that part of the cake where like there's not as much frosting it's still good but i always forget about cookie cakes but when i remember them it was it was a joy (laughs) yeah that's no cookie cake it's like i don't uh i don't eat like you know regular ice cream so i can't have an ice cream cake but like i i love an ice cream cake but like a cookie cake is i will oh like Mm -hmm. Always, always top of the list. Because the reason I like an ice cream cake is you can get the crunchies. You know, like I love oh, a, I love a cake with the crunchies yes, layer. Yes, yes, but yes. Uh, a cookie cake will always win over a sheet cake or another, you know, bakery monstrosity. Don't bring a Black Forest cake into this house. Ugh, never, never, <laughs> never. It's terrible. No, that's it's like that. That's that snot. fruit and chocolate situation. Yeah. Yes, I um, I feel the same way about German chocolate cake, but maybe I just haven't had the oh, right yeah. one. So I I love all the ingredients separately, but not together. Yeah, but a cookie cake. I mean, and if you really want to like go ham, like a cookie skillet. Oh, I've done the cookie skillet before. It was a it yeah. was a great choice. Yeah. yeah. I I my only complaint with the cookie cake is I wish they sold mini cookie cakes. Like I just want maybe like a, a five inch, six inch like in diameter cookie cake, but you always have to buy the big one, you know? I think that's just called a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> I heard you laughing. I was like, what is he gonna say? <laughs> I guess you're right, Colin. But that, oh that made me... <laughs> 
but, but I get what you're saying. I still want it's the like, cookie cake consistency because there is yes. something really great about how moist and like dense it is with that frosting on top. Yes. Yep. I, I it, totally like how dare I think you a, a cookie. I know, right? I know that's a cookie, but it's it's in between a cookie and a cookie cake is like a little cookie cake. Yeah, yeah, like a cookie pie, maybe like that size yeah. rather than the big like. Hum- I mean, I love that it's that big, but also like Keon bought it for us, and we're the only two. We, it was gone in like two or three days. It was sad, but right? Right. It was. You I don't regret any how much you ate of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was yummy. So that's that. Ah, ah. Well, uh, you know, the the great thing about our after shows, we don't get played off because we don't do that bit here. That's right. So we just, when we're done, we're done. <laughs> and uh, um, I think that's everything. I think, you know, we our BSAs, I yeah. trying to think if there's a better way to end these episodes. Maybe there's a clip of something. Maybe yeah. I'll play us out with Earth is Ghetto. Maybe we'll do that Ooh, so that people I can hear what we're that. talking about. Yes, perfect, yeah. perfect. Um, maybe that's what we do in these after shows is like one of our BSAs of the week, if it's like a a media thing if it's not a cookie cake that will be something that we play out so oh, people kind of great choice you know, great choice exit on a high note um so you already know what all our social media handles are because if you're listening to our after show that means you listen to our main episode that means you know you're already in the circle but um certainly if you do have thoughts on things you want us to cover on this after show or thoughts on what we talked about today or about the awards about the golden globes uh definitely reach out to us on twitter at bsa pod yeah and you can send us an email at the bsa pod at gmail.com we are open for suggestions yeah uh well i'm loving this after show and i am so excited to um to keep doing it yeah so So we'll see you every i guess we'll see everyone on the main episode next week Have a great weekend, everyone. And that, as they say, is that. Earth is ghetto. I want to leave. Can you beam me up? I'm out on the street by the corner store. You know the one on 15th. Got a bright shirt on so I'm easy to see. I've been down here stranded indefinitely. I can't reach my planet, but I need to leave. You should see these people. It's hard to believe how they treat each other. It's hard to conceive. Oh, Earth is ghetto. I want to leave. Oh, Earth is ghetto.